Hi there, skating fans. Welcome to another edition of the Skate Canada Alumni Podcast. Think about the complex skills it requires to be the best in skating. Power and acceleration, deep edges, body control, complicated footwork, rich and detailed choreography, and outstanding jumps and spins. Many-time Canadian champion Patrick Chan has them all. And with them, pushed the sport in new directions during his reign as three-time world champion. In this month's blog, with Debbie Wilkes, Patrick talks about his career, his retirement, his future, and the important time for reflection during the COVID-19 isolation, the longest time he's been off the ice since he started skating. As you'll discover, despite the lockdown, Patrick is hungry to return to the ice. Patrick, thanks so much for being with us today. I imagine your life, like a lot of skaters, is pretty different these days during COVID. Yes, yeah, very different. It's a, a situation I don't think anyone's been in before, obviously. So it's uh, been it's been a change of pace and a change of uh, goals and uh, to dos. Uh, everything's changing, but you just I think I've been trying to appreciate just the little things every day. Yeah, it's such a huge change, and I I should imagine, as with any competitor, uh, your life, for the most part, since you've been very small, has been all about going to the rink, training, mm-hmm. learning, practicing, and now here you are, at, I assume you're not at a rink at all. <laughs> no, not at all. All the rinks, uh, the rinks were closed here in Vancouver, uh, I would say maybe two months ago. And um, they, yeah, it, it was, we skated to the last, until the last day we were on, on the ice until they told us to get off at three o'clock and then they locked it down. And yeah, it, it's, it's unfortunate when you're, you're so used to moving your body every day, you're used to moving and exercising constantly and you're you're just activating your muscle memory, and um, but on the other hand, it it's, makes you appreciate it. And you, when you when you have skating available every day, it's uh, it gets I think a little monotonous. So for me, it, it's it's been great because it's making me hungry to get back on and get my skates on and feel my boots, feel the ice again. So uh, I think I think there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I think we're getting closer to that point. So. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Is this the longest you've ever been off? <laughs> yeah, I think in my entire career, I think I think you're right. Yeah, I think I've never been off the ice this long. Um, <laughs> so it, it's uh, it'll be very, very interesting on day one. I, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Your skates will probably feel like they belong to somebody else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so exactly. how are you filling? How are you filling your time? First of all, what are you doing that's non-skating? And secondly, yep. how are you keeping up your uh, fitness and uh, muscle workouts? All that kind mm. of stuff. Yeah, I, I, like I said earlier, I, it's uh, about appreciating the little things. And um, in terms of non-skating things, I've been catching up 
with my dog Poppy, and uh, she's a beautiful golden retriever. She's almost two, and she's <laughs> she's looking right at me right now. And she's a she's been great to have around the house. Um, having pets is a big bonus in many ways, uh, just because you you're not lonely when you're home you always have a furry friend and uh the furry friend has to go out for a walk so it forces you to get up and have a bit of a routine which is um really important right now i think um i've been also trying to catch up on uh lots of reading i've been trying to read uh, at least a book a month and uh alternating between a french book and an english book to just keep up my i think my my brain activity um and then Physically, I, I just go out for hikes. Um, here in Vancouver, we have we've had some pretty decent weather, and uh, we have we have great trails that we can we can just hop on and and have a great walk with Poppy, and um, even throwing the frisbee, throwing the baseball at the park. Uh, so just little like just little fun stuff, keeping things light, keeping things fun and not too serious. Um, just to keep your mind positive. I think that's really important right now. And um, yeah, it's, I, I mean, I'm not in, I'm not in competition shape. I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Listen, few of us are. <laughs> it's uh, it is a really strange time. And I would think for athletes, regardless of what your sport is, being forced to be away from the arena, whatever, uh, that arena may look like requires a huge change I would think in like what is your identity now and uh, yeah. what keeps you interested and I'm, I'm mm -hmm. wondering how you deal with that yeah um, I mean coming off of my my, my retirement in 2018 uh, I'm, I'm still dealing with I think a bit of an identity crisis and um when I've only known one thing my whole life, uh, for 23 years of my life, I've been doing one focus and one job and one uh, goal in mind and one routine that's the same year after year. Um, even the, the group of friends that, I, that you have and that you create, the bonds you create, um, those, those, of course, change. Um, so... I think there's a lot of similarities between uh, kind of losing your identity uh, as a skater during this this pandemic, and also I see some relation to my my retirement and uh, kind of coming home and and waking up the next day and not having to get up for training and wondering like this is awesome, but then after a week a week later you're like oh my god I have no I have I don't know what to what to do I don't I can't be yeah. sleeping until ten every day. So there's there's um there's definitely a period of adjustment and I'm to be honest I'm still going through it uh 2 years later um I, I'm <clears throat> even during this pandemic I'm of course uh, out of out of work in terms of uh performing and performing in arenas and doing shows and stars on ice and uh those those tours are all canceled until until we don't know when so there's uh there's definitely been a few times where I've I've uh had a thought of like oh my god what if i don't have skating like <laughs> i have nothing else and um it, it's a bit scary but at the same time that's where i think keeping you know going online and 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 doing 
doing courses, online courses, whether it's skating related. I'm, I'm going through my coaching courses right now and um, I'm doing, I'm doing some Q and a like talks with some of the clubs in Vancouver. So it, it's, um, I, I, I'm trying to give back as, as best, as much as I can right now. And, um, and, and stay, of course, connected to skating. I think I'll always be connected to skating um, in some way or another. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's, I think what I'm trying to say is that everybody, it's okay to, to, to have a little panic moment. And uh, I, you're not alone. I'm, I'm also uh, experiencing those moments. And uh, that's, where, that's where you just got to hold tight to your, your close ones, your family, your spouse. Um, you know, and, and everything's going to be okay. And these things will pass and time, time will heal everything. It's, um, it's strange how, uh, your transition, um, as you mentioned, which started in 2018, um, may have prepared you somewhat for this unprecedented time that we're mm-hmm. in now. What has been the hardest thing? I mean, apart from the obvious, no skating, ha- has mm-hmm. there been have there been surprises about uh, questions you've had or problems you faced? Um, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, is honestly just <clears throat> watching <laughs> watching skating and uh, sitting on the side lo- sidelines and watching uh the next generation come come through um it's as a competitor it's i think when when you're when you're born with this competitive mentality it's uh it's a double-edged sword and um it makes you it pushes you and gives you the determination to to strive for success but at the same time when it's time to step down and let let the next generation take over it's uh it's it's a bit of a, a tough Thing to let go of and um, that was probably the first thing I noticed was the hardest was watching um, other skaters and um, <clears throat> reminiscing also about what I could have done uh, better or differently in my career um, that's another one where it's very frustrating because obviously you can't change the past but there's uh, there's so many little details <clears throat> that I play through my mind um, in my skating career that I wish I, I had chosen a different path at a specific moment. And uh, however, what I can do now is, is to pass on that knowledge to um, the future and to the, to, to the young skaters that are coming up in Canada or internationally, um, you know, give them my two cents and help them <clears throat> get to where they want to be in the most efficient manner. It's worth more than two cents, Patrick. I can guarantee. Um, yeah, it it is uh, interesting and very difficult how, uh, as youngsters um, mm-hmm. or starting from a very early age, we're into this um, this I don't know what to call it this thing that is competitive skating that is all about mm-hmm. success and fame and achievement, and then suddenly yank you're you make the decision to pull out of it um for a a lot of people who have been um in the position of of uh 
having had a successful skating career, there's a lot of bitterness that comes from feeling like you were sort of the treat of the week. And as soon as you Mm -hmm. weren't winning medals anymore, suddenly they crossed to the other side of the street passing you. Um, That is hard. That is hard to face. It's it's extremely hard. And um, you feel uh, used a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. You feel a bit like a pawn and and you feel like, uh, and, 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 but that's, that's, you know, that's life. And that's, I think with anything, even outside of skating, any big news, you know, in, in two years from now, people are going to forget about this pandemic (laughs) and people move on and people will, uh, that's just the nature of human beings. I think is they're looking for the next great thing. And, uh, and that's okay. What I remember, what I need to remember is that I played my role as, um, in the evolution of skating and for that, sure. is, uh, that is a huge honor. And so, so have you and, um, and many, many skaters in Canada have played a huge role in the history of figure skating uh, all around the world. So uh, even, you know, watching, so now, now the, the, the difference when I watch competitive, competitive skating now uh, on the sidelines is, you know, I watch these skaters do doing these quads that uh, I, I never imagined would have, ever been done um I, I i feel like i was a part of that and i helped pave the way for these skaters um and uh their success so um it, it's uh it's a very self um you're doing a lot of internal research on yourself and uh self-reflection i think is a big part of um the transition so uh and it's not necessarily a bad thing it's it's good and healthy to do that you um, mentioned the quad, and I sort of feel, I mean, looking back at your tremendous career and, and the wonderful accomplishments you had, including your world titles, but I think mm-hmm. about that quad, and I feel like you were the epitome of the champion that kind of bridged the old to the new, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm using those words sort of it's like black and white, but from pre-quad days to multi-quad days. And Mm -hmm. what an accomplishment that was for you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it was a lot of fun to, to to have the speed and power and then to have the confidence to execute a quad jump to match the speed and the flow. So it's, um, it was a, a life changing uh, a career-changing move that um, everything just fell into place in a way, and I was able to harness the the skating skills I had, the solid edge work and um, body awareness. I was able to harness it into the quad and and kind of connect it with my skating. And that that was always my goal as a skater was to um, make the entire program seamless. And uh, it it reminds me of uh, a story about Mr. Colson when I was, you know, a young, I think, 10 or 11-year-old skater. And I remember I would go to test days and judges would come back and tell us, you know, Mr. Colson, you need to, you need to, you need to have Patrick stop before his footwork sequence because we can't tell where is his footwork <laughs> sequence begins or ends because the entire program is so filled with, with uh, choreography and steps. Um, and it's, it's, somewhat seamless so that that was that's always been my my goal was to 
do as much as you can and make it look as seamless as possible. And um, I, I feel like I was able to accomplish that um, at those world championships and um, uh, during the heyday of my career. And of course, we're talking about Osborne Colson, um, one of the country's most famous competitors and coaches. Uh, what what was it that he gave you? Mr. Colson was. Uh, um, I've never I've never had um, a coach like him, and um, he 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 mar he. How do I say? He did so much for me in terms on the ice and off the ice, and I think he's the one that instilled in me the 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 perfectionist in me, and always it's never good enough. And and that, and that's what and that means that Mr. Colson was a really tough coach. He was he was not, and I know that there's many people who share the the experience of, of taking lessons with Mr. Colson and um, he was a tough, tough coach. Um, but I, I think it was so crucial for me at that age um, to be pushed and to be held accountable for what I did and um, kind of making the connection, forcing me to make the connection between my brain and my muscles and, um, and holding, holding me to a high, high standard. Uh, so, so those, those are just one of many things that he taught me. He also, of course, taught me, you know, this, the story of, of taking my first lesson with him. And for the first, I think, month, we didn't do a single jump. Um, and I was already landing doubles and single axle at that point. And he was like, nope, I don't care about your jumps. You have, I want to I kind of strip you down and I want to I start from the bottom up. And uh, I remember just doing forward cross cuts on the circle for probably 25 laps just around. And he's just on the sideline, on the side of the board, uh, telling me to like keep my arms up and keep my head straight, keep my back straight and make sure that I'm pushing to the, like really stretching the free leg for every stroke. So it was just those details and, and, and I hated it as a, as a young skater. All I wanted, all I wanted to do was jump and uh, do the fun stuff. But he, um, he just drilled these exercises into me and, um, uh, and thank God he did because it made me, uh, it not only made, uh, yes, it, it, it made me a successful figure skater, but in the end, it also, it stays with me till this day when I'm not competing anymore and I'm just going out on the ice to enjoy myself. And I warm up with, for 20 minutes, I warm up with skating skills and, and I enjoy them because I'm so, I'm so glad I enjoy them because it, it feels so good to just have this, to know that I have this, uh, this control over the blade and um, I can, you know the blade is like a it's, a it's a part of my human body in a way and uh that that i think takes a lot of time and experience and and of course the right training uh so i i'm just so glad i get to enjoy skating for what it really is you know i seem to remember way back when you were a little guy and Osborne said to me one day, I, we were together somewhere, must have been at an event somewhere. And I looked mm -hmm. over at Osborne and he looked at me and he said, 
I'm researching his greatness. I'll never <laughs> forget it. And in his enigmatic way, like as if I, he expected I would understand what that meant. And it took <laughs> years for me to understand it, actually. Mm-hmm. He was a, and then a he, great man. And, and he, he, was, he was always like that from day one. He always, uh, and I didn't realize this until he passed away. It's, uh, he was the toughest coach with me and never, never complimented me. And, uh, and, and I think for good reason, I don't think he was trying to be spiteful. He was just, uh, he was always looking to make me better. Um, and was never satisfied. And only after I, he passed away and I would run into people like yourself, uh, who, who spoke to him many, many times at events, they would, they would constantly say, Oh my God, Patrick, like you're, he wouldn't he would not stop talking about you and he would always be talking about how you're how he's he's got this up and coming skater who's uh who he's kind of like building and and creating and making a making a champion in a way um and uh it's so wonderful to hear those things uh because i i never i always thought i was never good enough uh in in his eyes and uh to hear that that secretly he he really was uh, a fan um yeah that's, proud that's, of you that's the biggest proud of me exactly and that's yes. the biggest uh, reward i think well he he gave you some tremendous um skills and understanding and the lessons that he taught about body and edge work and mm-hmm. uh, all of those things that that your skating represented i i suppose i have to ask you how would you mm-hmm. want to describe what it is you hope you have brought to the sport of skating? Um, You've spoken a lot about the skills that you love, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. if if some if you were to write an anonymous piece about Patrick Chan, what would you mm-hmm. say about him? Um. Not to put you on the spot or anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think well, there's so many, there's so many things that uh, there's so many um, things I've learned from my career. Um, I, I, I think you know beyond the skating and beyond the the physical the physicality of of, of my skating. I think one thing I've really learned to appreciate is. Um, Every every milestone in my career, whether it was uh, winning worlds or going to the Olympics for the first time, every milestone was different, and every milestone was never what I expected, and never what never how I dreamed of it. Um, so, and expectations and and dreaming is really important, but at the same time, I've I've also been victim of of dreaming too big and um almost to the point where when i would get to the event and it didn't turn out the way i wanted it it completely crushed me and um so i i always say it's just like setting goals it's always about setting attainable goals and short-term goals um there's there's no point of um setting really really far far um 
far goals or dreams. Yes, I I don't want to say don't dream, but use the dreams as inspiration to, to first achieve those little steps along the way, because, um, you know, I remember in 2010, I, I stood, I stood on the ice and showed up with, with the best coaches, the best coaches, the best choreographer, the best off ice trainers. Um, I was in Canada. I was, uh, the, the new, the new crowned national champion, newly crowned national champion. So I was on top of the world. And I thought, you know, I, I, this, everything is, lined up for me to win a gold medal or win a medal at least and it didn't happen and I came fifth and uh instead instead of holding my head high and taking that in uh as as an experience and as um a a stepping stone to the next olympics or a world championship um yeah I was really hard on myself I was too hard on myself in terms of um not appreciating the other things beyond the performance. Um, you know, there's so much more to, to, to skating than, than just the results. And uh, we're, we're nowadays, there's a lot of pressure for kids to achieve the best and be the best, the smartest, the fastest, the, the, the best skater. <laughs> there's, there's so much pressure that um, I, I think it's really important not to forget about um, how much knowledge and, and experience you're gaining, uh, even participating in these events, uh, and not and and winning a medal doesn't doesn't change anything. It's uh, it's just a piece of metal. So um, I think it's important to just remember uh, to to appreciate what you're what you're experiencing and um, setting yourself attainable goals and and short term goals, many many short term goals to in the end, make it to where you want to be. And I think to be able to look back at a career that, um, and I I hope you do this, um, Mm -hmm. look back and recognize the real accomplishments that you made and uh, what you gave to the sport. And sometimes I think when we're inside our own skin, we don't recognize what we have actually achieved and I, I think that's where you are. Yes, yes. And and when you're in, when you're still competing, it's uh, uh, you never really have time to <laughs> savor the victories because uh, you're you're right back on the ice, back on uh, at home training again and preparing for the next event. Um, and and absolutely, I, I've now that's what I love about this uh, this next chapter of my life is that I can look back on. Uh, on 10 national titles and three world championships. Like I, I, I still, when I say it out loud and, and sometimes it's, uh, it's, it, it really blows me away that I, I feel like it's a different person. I don't feel like it's me, <laughs> um, it, which is, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's, a, it's a lot of fun to look back and, um, you know, watch old videos of, of, uh, of my skating. And it's, uh, it's, it really, it's so, I think that's the biggest reward, um, just being able to, to see it and uh, reminisce about some of the, the greatest moments in my career and how good it felt. Has there been one particular one that stands out amongst all the others? Yeah, the one that comes up, that uh, speaks out to me is uh, 
uh, I believe it was the national championships in Victoria in, it must've been 2011. I think it's 2011. It was right before I won the world champ, my first world championships in Russia. Uh, it was in Victoria, BC and, uh, it was Phantom of the Opera. It was the first time I, I decided to put my second quad attempt in the program, uh, in the long program. And, uh, I skated the best, the best program I've ever skated in my life. And, uh, yeah, it gives me chills just thinking about it. Cause it was, um, it was such a, uh, I, I was skating at that time. I was skating with such confidence and such command. Um, and that's such an empowering feeling. It's, it's hard to describe. Um, but it, it almost felt like I was, uh, I had a superpower in a way and, um, and just just nailed every single element that I, I planned on doing, um, including a second quad toe. So uh, that that stands out to me because that was my heyday, and that was um, I just had this focus and this. The program was choreographed by Lori Nichol, and uh, you know, Phantom of the Opera is you know the masquerade section at the at the very end. That my my choreograph or no, at the time it was a. Your, your second footwork sequence um, and it was a circular step sequence and that's probably my favorite step sequence I've had from Lori and uh, I got to skate it I, I got to redo the program uh, for uh, the Thank You Canada tour two years ago and uh, <laughs> I, I hadn't skate, skated the program in so long and trying to relearn everything and Lori's choreography is of course about the highest caliber so uh i i wasn't expecting how hard it was going to be but it was so much fun to skate it again and to relive that memory when you did the competitive performance in 2011 do you look back on it do you remember having skated that performance I, i've spoken to other competitors and and recognize uh, thinking back to some of my performances too, that the good ones I almost don't remember having yeah. skated. Yeah, and that's uh, that's also what I've noticed as well. Um, I, I remember I remember little visual things. Um, I can't remember how it felt, um, and I think that's just the beauty of life is that uh, the you just have to savor it for what it is and for that specific moment. And I read a book, uh, it's called the rise of the rise of Superman. Um, mm -hmm. and it talks about these extreme athletes who, uh, you know, surf the biggest waves in the world and, uh, people who jump, who do, um, base jumping and you know, really extreme sports that, uh, push the boundaries of life or death. And, uh, they say that, in this research they, they, there's been research done that says when you're in um when you're let's say quote unquote in the zone so when yeah. you're having a, re a really great performance and you're having a, a performance where you're very very present in every single step in every single element uh choreographic cue everything uh, when you're really present and truly present that's when that's when time you lose track of time you lose track of where you are uh, you can't remember things that you've just done a minute ago. And, uh, and they say that's, that's very, very common for athletes who um, get into the zone and, uh, and get to that moment of they can get their mind at a, a very zen-like uh, zen -like, uh, 
status, I guess. And uh, that, that, that's a good, it's a good thing. When you can't remember, that's a great thing. It means that you're very present and you're only focused on what you're doing now and not what happened and what is going to happen. I just wish that there was this button that we could push that would get us to that place more often yeah. because um, boy when it when it happens it's it's very powerful and Special. I don't know about yeah. you but I always wanted to get there during a performance but it it wasn't always achievable no no and that was that's the challenge of that that was that was my biggest challenge even to the last, the, my last performance at the Olympics. Um, you know, trying to master the mind is, is uh, people spend their entire lives. Buddhists meditate for, for 30, 50 years, their entire lives to try and uh, master the mind and, and the, the sense of self. And I, I think it's, um, it, it was a really, I really got into it, I think, a bit too late in my career, unfortunately, and I didn't, I didn't realize how how powerful it can be. Um, being able to harness the mind to help you execute what you want and what your body wants to execute. Um, I always imagine my mind and my body as two separate beings, and once when they work in sync, it's it's magic and it's it's on it's you're unstoppable, and I I felt unstoppable, but. To repeat it, and I can tell you, I've probably only experienced that Zen, that zone, or being in the zone moment. I've only had maybe, I can count on one hand the amount of performances that have felt like that, and and that's unfortunate. But it, it's just, but that's what makes it so sweet, <laughs> and uh, makes you remember it. So true, so true. It's kind of like, not at the same time you're feeling huge, and tiny, tiny, tiny. Uh, yeah, that's kind of how I've described it to my children. But, yes. Um, yeah. Well, let, let's talk about where you are now. You made the move to Vancouver. Talk. Can you mm-hmm. talk us through that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Looking back uh, to 2010 and, and the, the Olympics in Vancouver, if I if I could talk to, to my the me then and say that I was going to live in Vancouver 10 years from now, uh, I wouldn't have believed, I wouldn't have believed myself. So, uh, (laughs) it's been, it's been a very, a very nice change. And, um, I, I'm originally obviously from Ontario. I, I born in Ottawa and grew up in Toronto and, uh, I've had no, no connection to the Western side of our country and the Western coast, but, um, you know, every time I've come to Vancouver, there was there was some sort of connection I had with, um, just like every other person who lives in Vancouver, I think has a connection with nature and the connection with Mother Nature. And um, there's just a certain. I just decided. Uh, I just decided after my career was over, I just needed to to kind of start over. And I, my entire career of my my skating career, I've. I've always been on the move. I've always moved from training place to training place to the States, to Canada, to the States again. Um, and I've never been in one place. So uh, I think it was natural in a way for me to just pick up and leave uh, Michigan, which is where I was training. And I just needed to get back to Canada. That was my first priority. <laughs> I just wanted to get out of uh, out of the United States and, and come home 
um, after seven years of being there, I wanted to just be in Canada and know what it was like to be Canadian again. Um, and and it's been it's been wonderful in, in Vancouver. It's been the the weather's of course a little nicer. I, I, this is where the Toronto versus Vancouver argument starts. <laughs> but uh, I, I I love I love having access to. Uh, the ocean, having access to the mountains. Um, I'm a very much an outdoors uh, type of person. I've grown up in sports my entire life uh, with my parents, and uh, we've I've always found comfort in being active and also being outside and uh, and being humbled by by the forces of nature. It's I've always really found it very grounding and uh, I think that's that's why I, I came here and it's it's worked out pretty well so far I've, uh, I, I just bought a place you know a few months ago and I'm settled in into into the new new home and it's it's such a great place to just um, be you and uh, and and get away from the noise and get away from the distractions uh, it's it's a very easy uh, you know, I can walk 10 minutes and I can be by the water um, and take in a breath of fresh air of ocean air. So uh, that's that's always nice to note that I have um, when when I'm going through hard times or uh, going through transitions. It's uh, it's important to stay connected to uh, your roots in a way and Mother Nature. I always that's kind of my way of thinking. I understand completely. I feel the same way. We live in the beach in Toronto. And yeah. I, I'm sitting at my kitchen table now looking across at Lake Ontario. So, oh. while it isn't the ocean, <laughs> it still has uh, immense beauty for me. I do understand completely. Now, you mentioned... Yeah, water. No mountains. Waterfront is waterfront. (laughs) There's a bit of a hill in my garden. No mountains Uh are anywhere near, but we'll we'll take the water. Um, Exactly. So you mentioned earlier that you'll still you would choose always to be involved in skating. Are you doing some coaching? I am. I um. It's that's probably one of the the strangest transitions uh since my competitive career i've uh i've i've really had to get used to coaching um and even interacting with students interacting with their parents uh it's uh it's it's an art and it's a i have a huge i have a much much greater respect for what coaches do um also, uh, I have uh, utmost respect for all the coaches that worked with me, uh, for having <laughs> to work with me, <laughs> uh, because it's um, it's 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 a tough um, career and um, it's a demanding career and it's uh, it's almost you're basically competing with the, your students. So uh, that that's kind of my fear is uh, I don't know if I'm ready to go back into, you know, the Grand Prix circuit as a coach um, and start traveling again. Uh, but all I know is that there's, I, I would like to have um, the, the accreditation to, to, to pass on my knowledge properly. Um, I think, I think it's it's kind of my duty as as uh, as one of Canada's national champions um, is to give back to the sport in my country uh, to the young the the youth in our sport um, 
I think it's a responsibility of mine. And I, I love every time, every time I, I coach, every lesson I do, I, I feel more confident and I feel more proud of what I'm doing. Um, you know, the, at the very beginning, I, I felt so nervous and unsure. And then, you know, down the road, as I've done some seminars and I've done some very difficult, I've been put into difficult situations uh, in terms of coaching, just not being necessarily in the, the most comfortable position, or how do I say, the most comfortable environment. Um, and having to think on my feet and think of exercises to help different skaters. Um, those are all, those have all grown me and have made me feel more confident in, in what I'm saying and what I believe in and my technique. Um, but I'm also always very much open to, um, I, I, I'm happy to defer to another coach who has much more experience and much more knowledge um, in specific areas. Um, I'm not a big, I'm not an expert in spins, for example. So I would always, I would ask, I would reach out to a friend who specifically teaches spins or that's his specialty. Um, So I always just, I always tell myself like, don't pretend you know everything. And even though people may think you know everything because you have had a, 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 I've had a illustrious career, but that does not mean I'm a good coach. Um, So I've, I really had to take my time in terms of um, building my confidence, building my knowledge, um, and I'm still doing that. So uh, I'm not coaching now. I'm not, I don't have a skating school. I don't have uh, I don't have any sort of club that I'm I'm specifically at in Vancouver. Um, all those things I've um, kind of how do I say the the, the they, they just haven't unfolded and haven't uh, I'm actually not even ready for that um especially with my show career so I've really just been taking my time at, and going at my own pace and uh doing a lot of just um kind of volunteering my time to to talk to the parents or talk to the skater um if I see that they have um they have a lot of potential and um and they're just having a hard time so i'm uh i'm i'm, I'm very much just taking my time and, and and learning the ropes as i go i think that's very wise because while um your knowledge of skating is huge and the competitive experience i think that good coaching is another skill that yeah. you'll add to your repertoire and i think exactly. it's um it's very smart of you to just take your take your time with it and and, and constantly learn and always yeah. learning and, and listening to to what others are saying and the fact that you're uh, studying to get accredited is kind of like coming full circle and mm-hmm. giving you the opportunity of another door to step through. It's not going to be yep. the only door. Uh, I'm sure exactly. you're investigating other other things, um, other other interests that have had to take kind of a backseat as you went mm-hmm. through this skating journey. What other exactly. interests are you looking at? Um, I've uh, I've also I've had a bit of interest in uh, commercial real estate, so I've been, I've been working on. I mean, I, I've been saying this for the last two years um i've been working on my my uh real estate license um and it seems like there's no better time than now um but i'm also i'm also working on a potential uh project where 
it's, you know, this is, I'm not, this is very much preliminary. I haven't even written anything down on paper, but um, I think there's, there's something to be said about helping athletes transition from their competitive career to whatever career they decide to, to move into. Um, I think there's, it's, it's a bit of a, um, it's a very new sort of, um, I a mean, new not, area. A new area, exactly. That hasn't been really talked about enough, I think, and or done. Or there hasn't been enough research done, um, and 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 uh, or just not enough, I think, research done to talk about each athlete's different um, transition. What are what? similar what are similarities and what are differences from athlete to athlete from sport to sport um so i, I kind of want to dig into to that a bit more of um how can how can we what kind of program can we develop to help athletes um i think identify their strengths and what uh what careers that that may put them into and and what careers might match well with a, a certain a personality a certain athlete so I've, uh, I'm at a very preliminary stage, um, but I'm working with a, um, uh, Elizabeth, my partner and I are both working on, uh, try, we're, we're, we're about to join this, um, incubator, like, a uh, uh, how do I say, um, an entrepreneur incubator in a way, mm -hmm. uh, where we, we kind of first plant the idea and then, um, maybe eventually it's, uh, uh, I don't know what will happen, but um, we'll see. We'll see. It's uh, very preliminary. <laughs> it's a great, uh, a really, really valuable uh, endeavor, I think, because if you just look at our sport and the number of people who have um, been successful at skating, and then suddenly, whoop, we. We talked about it earlier. Your career is over, and what's next? You've had a lifetime of success. Does that mean that you automatically move into a CEO position in some company? No, no, not at all. <laughs> but uh, it it's a, a tough road that transition, and I I applaud you for thinking that it's a, a vital uh, area to study and develop. And I think it's the result too of the amateur sport world, as we talked about earlier, how mm -hmm. you feel a bit like a pawn um, to gain yeah. titles, which in turn means money for the organization. And then what happens? You're kind of left to flounder. To your own devices. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. So yes, there's, there's not much, there's, there's not much guidance beyond uh uh, a competitive career, uh, good or bad, you know, whether you're, whether you've, you've won Olympic gold medals or you haven't, it's, we're, we're all in the same boat, uh, when, once your career is over. Well, and when you think about it too, when you're training at the highest level as you were, who has time to go to school? So yeah. your, your yeah. schooling has probably been shortened or, exactly. um, compromised. Or even, Somehow. Even knowing how to study, know, knowing how to study, and uh, yeah, exactly. Those are all skills that have haven't been 
touched in a long time. So, yeah. um, and then also as you get older, it's harder to, to learn things and uh, pick up things. So there's, there's so many roadblocks in the transition and there's, it can see, it can be overwhelming. Um, so I think there's, um, there's something to be said and there's something to be, uh, I think it can be, uh, I, I would like to do a little more digging in terms of uh, really putting, um, quantifying it and uh, and figuring out what what really helps athletes uh, beyond their competitive career. Yeah, and what kind of support is needed, um, both emotionally and psychologically, as competitors mm-hmm. move forward into uh, it may be a non-sport environment. But I think it's mm-hmm. a really worthwhile um, quest you have. And I'm mm-hmm. sure, like, everything else you undertake, that will be successful, too. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> My fingers are crossed for you. Oh, thank, thank you, Patrick. You. It's been just delightful catching up with you a little bit. You too. Uh, I wish you all the best, and thanks for spending time on the alumni blog today. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Debbie. Most elite athletes are perfectionists, and Patrick Chan admits he is no different, with a drive to learn and succeed, and, since retirement, a new appreciation for what is required to move into the next chapter of his life. While he hopes skating will always play a significant role, Patrick is open to developing new skills and searching for his next great challenge. I'm Alex Kilby, inviting you to join us again next month for our Skate Canada Alumni Podcast. See you then. While you're here, we'd also encourage you to visit alumni.skatecanada.ca where you can comment on today's show, listen to all of our past episodes, and see our monthly newsletter post for the alumni community. We're available also in all podcasting apps including iTunes, Google Google Podcasts, and any other podcast platform that you use on your mobile device. Search for Skate Canada Alumni Podcast and you'll find us there. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again next month.